What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into another episode of the 526 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Wednesday evening where St. John's has defeated the Xavier Musketeers 81-66, to and they are 1-0 in Big East play. A dominant performance by St. John's. They got it done um, on both ends of the court. They were excellent defensively, a facet of their game that has been highly criticized by coach Rick Pitino and for good reason they've struggled against teams that um, they should have wiped off the floor with they've struggled against better teams and I think tonight was the first time we really got to see everything put together and there were times where Xavier maybe started coming on there uh, and St. John's was able to continue to put their foot on the pedal and ramp it up, and uh, St. John's walks away victorious. Naheem Aleen uh, was inserted into the starting five. He was the MVP of tonight's game, without a doubt. Joel Soriano um, was excellent as well. He gets a ton of praise, as usual. Uh, So a big night out of him. Chris Ledlam, a um, little wishy-washy, but uh, he made plays as well. Um, but we'll get to him in a minute. Jordan Dingle had a solid night again coming off the bench. Uh, I think this is going to be possibly what we're going to see moving forward with Dingle um, coming off. But, you know, I... I do think it all depends upon matchups, but however, until he and Dennis Jenkins, I think until Patino feels really comfortable that he can trust both of them out there at the same time and get the 100% uh, out of both of them, um, we'll see if if that's going to be the case. Teresa Treore also had a solid night as well, back-to-back, you know, really... <laughs> intriguing games from him someone that i mean is having himself a nice two-game stretch here uh and someone where you know that was a point of emphasis the bc game was pretty putrid because st john's did not get enough production off the bench and i think that's another reason why we're seeing jordan dingle come off because i think patino wants to get a spark out of someone um, coming off the bench and giving you solid minutes and putting up points. And I think he just figured Naheem Aline certain nights, you know, he's better in this starting five where he has, where, where the defense has so many options that they have to cover 
and Aline is one guy that I, it's funny to say because of how big he's been at times for St. John's in these games and almost every single one they've managed to get a W in. But, you know, specifically um, with the five guys they have out there, he's one that I think you can lose track of. I mean, you got to worry about Soriano. You got to worry about Dennis Jenkins. You got to worry about Ledlam. But, oh, by the way, there's this, uh, you know, Nahima Lean, number four, that you also need to uh, need to account on. And then if they focus on him too much, that's when other guys can get open. So I think it's a really, really um, awesome awesome look right now. I think this is working. I think you got to work with what's rolling. Um, and I think this is a starting five that for at least the near future, I see Patino going with. Obviously, there's a big game coming up on Saturday that I will talk about later. But I would expect Aline to be starting in that spot as well for that one. Um, but Joel Soriano, 18 and 14, it's expected. And then six blocks, uh, seven for 13 from the field, four for six from the line, five assists, just two turnovers. An excellent night. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was knock down his trademark three. And, you know, it would have been a really big night uh, for Soriano. But, my God, I mean, you saw uh, people tweet about it. I think John Rothstein tweeted about it. Joel Soriano's playing like a like an All-America. Had an All-American night tonight. And, uh, yeah, he's he's one that, you know, how do you stop him? I mean, seriously, he has been so huge at so many times, you know, throughout the season when you've needed a spark, when you've needed, you know, a stop, a big stop defensively. I mean, you can't come down the lane on him because he's been able to be such a a, a, a stop in the paint. Um, and I thought that tonight, you know, really showed that six blocks. Unbelievable. Um just one night and then five assists to go along with it like man you know and someone that is getting the ball in his hands a lot more uh you know he's worked on a lot of things in the offseason that's obvious but man is he just a beast inside I mean he is just unstoppable you know Dennis Jenkins and him have a nice one-two combo going they continue to work on it I think you're going to see um that become a really, really exciting combo in the biggest sense. Too bad, you know, you think about it and you're like, man, I wish these guys were, you know, freshman. Granted, I mean, I'm sure who knows if these guys would really be coming back. Uh, but regardless, it's just like, man, you know, I wish we could get like three years out of this because this is some really fun basketball that uh, we get to see. I, I really... Um, admire too how St. John's you know they managed to continue to keep the pressure on Xavier this was uh there were some times again where it started to feel like ooh, Xavier started to make a bit of a comeback especially in the beginning of the second half they almost cut it down to single digits but then St. John's came right back up they they got they ramped it up again um and just great. I think Nahima Lean came down and hit a mid-range jumper 
to put them, you know, up 13. And then I was like, okay, you know, St. John's is, uh, St. John's is back in the driver's seat. They got the momentum back on their side. Um, I also thought that, you know, just the, from a statistical perspective of the team shoot shot 46.3% from the field, solid 35% from three, seven of 20 is uh, pretty darn good. The only thing that I wish that they would have better, they would have been better at is knocking down free throws. 12 of 18, 66.7%. I mean, you got to be better in that uh, mark. But they held Xavier to just 349 from the field, just 19% from beyond, and 81.8 from the line. I guess I shouldn't say they held them to that, but those are their statistics on the game. They were obviously better at the line. Um, but this is not, you know, I'm, I'm really raving about the individual accolades for St. John's, but we know that this was a shorthanded Xavier team. Um, They had, you know, injuries that I think boded well for St. John's, but of course, you know, you can't just, I I know people are going to say, well, you know, St. John's had the, uh, the luxury of, um, you know, not having to see so obviously, you know, with Xavier, they've had losses in their front court. Zach Fremantle, um, you know, with the foot injury, and that has been such a blow to them. Jerome Hunter as well being out, but, you know, they haven't had them all season. So anyone that I really think that is uh saying that this win you know okay well it was just Xavier I mean while it is true that I do think that and and this is obvious you know that those two would have Hunter and Fremantle would have been such a factor in this game still St. John's comes in they did what they had to do and they get the win I mean just simple as that excellent job uh tonight I think Rick Pitino said this was the best he has felt about this team all season. This is the best game that he can say um, that he feels really good about where St. John's is at. St. John's, you know, after that Boston College game, felt like they took a step back. Now, the last two, it definitely feels like they've taken uh, a nice step forward and, um, While I'm, you know, still waiting to see what St. John's net ranking is going to be uh, after the win tonight, I think it just ticked up to 58, I believe. Um, But, you know, beyond that, I think it's at 58 now before I believe it was at 71 if memory serves me correctly but you know a net of 58 is really strong for this time of the season um and I think that where you're at right now given the loss to Michigan the loss to Dayton the loss to Boston College because right now Michigan and Boston College are both looking like they're going to be losses that are going to go against you. I know people were pretty 
uh, excited about, um, you know, the, I shouldn't say excited, but excited about where Michigan was at and ready to possibly crown them a spot in March Madness or saying they were, you know, a good team. Um, you know, it's looking like they, uh, they most certainly are not, you know, the exciting game the other night against Florida. Um, but Michigan, I mean, their net right now has just really taken a nosedive. It's at 71, not terrible, but not too great. And Boston College, you know, a net of 82, which I think Saint beating St. John's is uh, pretty good on their resume, of course. But you know, big wins against Utah, and then I think taking care of business tonight against Xavier. I don't want to say this was a um, a, a game that was a must-win. I don't want to put it in those terms, but it kind of was because I don't think Xavier is, and it's unfortunate because I, I was really excited to see what Shaw Miller was going to do this season. And I, I still have faith in him as being a good coach and the coach for Xavier for the foreseeable future. I've seen some rumor mills going around on Twitter about how, you know, he might be on the hot seat. I don't think that's the case at all. I agree that it is pretty astonishing to see how far back they've uh, they've gone. But I think they ring at about eight or nine in the Big East Um this season to finish up but that's of course right now and you know you look at the last 24 hours in the big east and i want to get to this some uh very very exciting upsets um all coming or two out of three rather coming where the uh favorite was on the road marquette last night losing to providence and tonight, UConn falling to Seton Hall at Prudential. Um, and then Villanova upsetting Creighton. Just unbelievable to say those three teams, the big three of the Big East, fall in 24 hours in their Big East openers. Like I said, two out of three were on the road. Creighton losing tonight was just, I, I was, on one hand, I, I mean, I hate to see Villanova lose. Um, I'm not a Kyle Ineptune fan by any means necessary. Um, I don't think he's the right man for the job. But, you know, to see the Big East have the bottom teams or, you know, teams that are outside the top 25 and, and outside the big three get wins um, against those top teams is big, of course, because, you know, Providence has put together a pretty good resume thus far. They've had some poor losses, losing to Kansas State, but beating Marquette's big. I mean, I have them as a tournament team as of right now. Um, Villanova, I think... They're a bubble team at the moment, but the win against Creighton tonight, of course, definitely helps. They beat North Carolina and uh, Memphis, so some big wins there. But, of course, you know, the losses to Drexel and Penn. And while this is not a uh, looking like a 
a too terrible of a loss to St. Joe's. Um, that's still a game that at the time you were expecting Villanova to come through and win. Um, but then you look at Seton Hall. I mean, you know, I could see Villanova because they won the battle for Atlantis and Providence with how, how well they played. You know, I mean, I could see that uh, happening. But then to see Seton Hall beat UConn. Whoa. UConn, who just beat UNC. UConn, who's the national championships, losing by 15 to Seton Hall. It's not like it went to overtime. It's not like it was a really close game. The Pirates absolutely wiped the floor with UConn. And excuse me if I'm wrong, but I think UConn scored the least total amount of points out of any Big East team in their Big East opener. I'm going to have to fact check myself on that one, but I think that's true. I am shocked at that. That was a game that should have been, you know what, if you're throwing together your parlay, that is a lock tonight to take the uh, the Huskies. And I was wrong. Marquette only scored 57 on Providence. I thought they got uh, to at least in the, uh, in the 60s, but that wasn't the case. And um, DePaul has yet to take on anyone in the Big East, but still, I mean, only scoring 60 to Seton Hall. I mean, my goodness. Um, but speaking about those Huskies, that is who St. John's will be playing next at, um, at UConn going to be, you know, in stores where St. John's pulled off in unfathomable upset last year uh where it was a game where you were like okay i'm probably you know gonna get a good half out of this and then find something else to watch probably in the second half uh because this is just gonna be you know a total um you know abomination at the excel center uh st john's um, this time around though, I mean, they've, you know, they've got momentum heading into the game last year. I think they were coming off of the, was it the loss to Marquette or the loss to Providence? I can't remember which one exactly, but you know, they were coming off a really, really rough, uh, rough loss, whichever one it was. And they were on a really poor stretch, but then they knocked off UConn, which was just unbelievable and um unfathomable like i said i mean just a ridiculous upset and uh now they go back to try and take down yukon um you know this is a team that i think rick patino has kind of molded his team like he you know he likes what dan hurley has done he likes what dan hurley's put together so it should be interesting to see um what happens here UConn, it, um, I don't have an update, but Donovan Klingen, uh, I know he got hurt tonight against Seton Hall, so that'll be something to keep track of, especially for Joel Soriano in the paint. That was going to be a matchup I was going to be really excited uh, to look out for. But, um, you know, maybe St. John's might get a break there uh, if Klingen cannot go. 
Um, I would think they're going to do everything in their power, or Klingon's going to do everything in her power and his power um, to get him out there. He uh, he had a sprained ankle tonight, um, and according to John Rothstein, his status is TBD. And I wouldn't expect Dan Hurley to know um, just minutes after the game, of course, what the uh, what the status of his uh, future big would be. But Tristan Newton's been having a solid season thus far. He's their leading scorer, 16.3, 35.6 from beyond, 83.6 from the line, from the field, 46.5%. Going to be a guy uh, and, and going to be a real threat. Um, of course, and averaging about five assists per game as well. Going to be just a guy that St. John's, you talk about defense, defense, defense. That's a guy you got to be on. I mean, I don't care what you do. He is not putting up his numbers against you. That's a guy you got to take out. Cam Spencer's also been solid for uh, UConn as well, averaging 14.8. Eight points per game, shooting forty four point three percent from beyond. This dude, oh my goodness, that's as much as I talk about Tristan Newton. You got to make sure you shut down. That's another guy right there, forty seven point nine percent from the field. Like I said, this has got to be. I mean, if you're St. John's and you're Rick Pitino, this is like. You know, I mean, I don't want to be too dramatic about it. And I know these are two completely separate scenarios. But this is like, you know, if there was any way that you could get any motivation heading into this team, you know, this is like Miracle on Ice, Team USA going up against the Soviets. I mean, you've got to be sure you are on your A game going up against these Huskies. Um, Alex Caravan. As well, 14.7 points uh, per game, shooting 89.5% from the line, 33.3% from beyond, and 51.9% from the field. Those three are, and if Donovan Klingon can't go, um, who averages 13.9 points per game, uh, as well as you know 6.3 rebounds per game, Caravan averages 6.2. Shooting uh, 53.2% from the charity stripe and 63.2% from the field. Definitely not. Um, His offensive numbers don't pop out. But, you know, he's got defense. He's someone that I think you have to obviously take account when he is out there. I mean, he's a guy... You know, I think that Joel Soriano, this is going to be the first, you know, 5v5 matchup we're going to be really getting to see Joel Soriano in. He's got 24 blocks also on the year Klingon, so two per game is what he averages in that department. St. John's heading into this game, it's going to be, you know, one of those, I, I really feel like, I don't know the opening line, but I really feel like this is going to be one of those down-to-the-wire games um, if St. John's, you know, pulls off the win. But this is, I think, 
more of if they do lose, I don't want anyone to jump off a bridge or, you know, because we've seen some overreactions to start the season. However, you know, you do say this is your first kind of measuring stick, you know, since the Charleston Classic. Now you're coming up on another point where it's like, okay, how do we match up? How do we look against a top 25 and the top team in the country and a team in the Big East that you know you've got to get through if you want to get to where you want to be? So a lot to follow going into this game. I'm excited for it. I mean, last year, listen, if Mike Anderson's team could get lucky, a Mike Anderson coach team could go to the XL Center twice in his four years as a St. John's head coach and beat the Huskies. I think he upset them. Uh, That was an upset back in 2021 against a top 25 team as well. Who's to say this Rick Pitino team cannot? Now, the only difference is, I think UConn may have overlooked St. John's those past two times. You know Dan Hurley is not going to do that, especially with where his Huskies are at nationally and where he's had them at the past couple seasons. But anyways, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the 526 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hallahan, and we'll be back on Saturday night recapping what hopefully will be a St. John's win as they go 1-0 tonight in Big East Conference play. Seen a lot of rough years in the Big when he gets to Big East Conference play. We've seen a lot of, you know, great one loss and two loss records um in the Mike Anderson era, but now let's see what St. John's has in store for us for Biggie's play. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and as always, I will talk to you next time. These little town blues are melting away. I'll make a brand new start of it in old New York. If I can.